I have PenFed, that's a fact. I have PenFed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, North Stream. Gonna read this, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. If you thought that December was gonna be a slow news month, let me tell you how wrong you are. Because if there's one thing we've learned, it's that there's just gonna keep coming out new things constantly. Like the fact that there's only one Mac laptop that is worth buying. No matter how much you try, no matter how much you try to justify your love for Apple, there is only one Apple laptop worth buying. And it is, in fact, the 16-inch laptop that I ripped on for still being a crime against professional laptops. It still is, no matter how you look at it. What? What's wrong with the 15-inch and the 13-inch, you ask? Well, besides the fact that the 13 and 15-inch both... Actually, I think the 15-inch is actually straight up gone now, but I digress. The 13-inch still has the butterfly key switches, which are an absolute failure and an abomination to keyboard kind, and will, in fact, eventually fail, and will, in fact, cost hundreds of dollars to fix. In addition to that... Some entry-level 2019 13-inch MacBook Pros will just shut down. Just randomly. What's the reason, you might ask? Nobody knows. And I'm not saying that as some sort of mysterious, meme sort of way. No, nobody knows. Apple suspects it has something to do with the battery. And they, and they suggest... I kid you not. Letting the battery run down to 90%, connect the charger, quit all applications, and letting it sleep and charge for at least 8 hours. What does that do? Nothing! All it is, all it does is just like, well, well, maybe the battery is reading itself wrong, so maybe doing that will reset the thing, maybe? I don't know. Good job. Good job, Apple. They at least acknowledge there is a problem, and they are working on a fix. But I'll just say it again. If you have to get a brand new Apple laptop... You better only get the 16-inch MacBook Pro. The keyboard issue is bad enough, but the more and more people look at it, there are further issues that come up with all the other parts. 
that being said, I mean, Apple laptops are just terrible right now. They've been terrible for the last couple of years. And even when there's a glimmer of hope, they might be getting better. Stuff like this ends up coming up. Hopefully, this same sort of battery tech is not using the 16-inch. Hopefully. My phone just notificated so loud, I heard it get picked up on the mic. And as I'm glancing around to try and mute it, I am realizing I lost track of my phone. Where the heck is it? Oh, it's in my pocket. That is true. There is an escape key for for it now. That is a plus. It is so far the only plus that they have going for them right now. Yeah, Apple can innovate. They have added an escape key to their defective keyboard. Nailed it. You want to host Apple can innovate? R- getting rid of all ports on their iPhone. Apple analyst Ming Chi Ku, who I have most likely mispronounced, to which I will apologize in advance, but I digress. He has a relatively good track record. He has gotten a lot of the major changes that has happened throughout the Apple iPhone lifecycle pretty much dead on. So whatever sources he has for his predictions has a really good track record. And his next bold claim, by the end of the year 2021. So for the iPhone 12 life cycle assuming 2020 has the iphone 11 s we will see no lightning port no headphone jack and no usb type c it's honestly not all that far-fetched it's clear that apple's wanted to try and go this direction for a while but Clearly, one of their biggest setbacks was not being able to mass-produce a wireless charging pad. If you remember, they promised to launch one, and then it was delayed by six months, and then killed. Just straight up killed. Never to be seen again. Now, I already talked about this on the early bird briefing. But I'll say it again here. I hate this. And I say this as someone who wirelessly charges his Samsung S10. As someone who has a smartwatch that wirelessly charges as well. And someone who, if his headphone jack vanished, could probably live without it. The main reason being is that one common use that I and many other people have is while the phone's in the pocket to have a short charging cable connected to an external battery. If the phone is in your pocket, 
you cannot wirelessly charge it reliably. It has to stay stationary. The only way you're going to do that is with, I don't know, some really tight-fitting jeans, which is not practical. I'm I'm sorry. I hope this is wrong. And if this isn't wrong, if Apple does kill the charging port altogether and just go straight wireless charging, I hope no other cell phone manufacturer in existence is dumb enough to fall, follow Apple. You know what the problem is? I'm not going to get my way. We all know if Apple goes down this route, if the lightning port vanishes and is replaced with nothing, everyone else will do the same because everyone else was dumb enough to follow the trend of, of freaking taking chunks out of the screen to put cameras in. Everyone was dumb enough to get rid of the headphone jack. Even Samsung, who was just like the, oh, we never fell for that sort of stuff. Well, there's a hole in my screen just to have the front-facing camera just so you go, oh, the screen goes all the way to the edge. Well, great. Now I can enjoy watching YouTube videos with a hole in the screen. And then chat also brings up a great point with tethering. I've had to do that a couple of times. Heck, I can actually think of a few repair jobs where USB tethering to a device in order to get drivers onto it was a godsend. Some of those drivers, mind you, were not small. And if I had to do it wirelessly, it would have taken... Five times longer. Oh yeah, in the case of one, it didn't even have the wireless drivers installed anyway, so wireless tethering was literally impossible. I I hope if Apple does this, no one follows suit. And if you asked me about this a year ago, I would say there's no way. Because although a couple of people were dumb enough to get rid of the headphone jack, at least some of the diehards like Samsung would not have. Until the Note 10. Where Samsung flipped all of us off and killed the headphone jack. Why? The only good reason they gave us was because they went and made wireless earbuds.
You see, and and Neo Neo Gunner in the chat brings up probably the best point, whether he realized it or not. And that's even if you don't give in, even if you don't get Apple products, what Apple does still affects you because all the other manufacturers just have to be stupid, mindless sheep following in Apple's footsteps because they want to follow that Apple money, even though mimicking Apple is going to get you nothing other than being flipped off. Especially when Apple does stupid things. You want to mimic Apple? Mimic Apple when they actually add features. What a novel concept. Include more features. Why the heck would you copy Apple when they take away features? Like taking away a chunk of the screen. Or taking away the headphone jack. Or taking away... The ability for the blasted laptop to be repaired or taken away the ability for the keyboard to work. Shifting gears slightly, but still staying on Apple. We're just going to get all the Apple news out of the way right away. How does that sound? More rumors are starting to surface about the iPhone SE. This is their smallest iPhone coming out soon, as in early 2020. And reports are saying that it could be called the iPhone 9. Now, the funny thing is that a lot of us Consider the concept of the iPhone SE really, really dumb. I mean, because let's be honest. Who here wants a smartphone with a four-inch screen? I am willing to bet no one in the chat right now wants a small screen phone. The thing is, I know a lot. Of people who love that form factor. Who love the portability of it. The size of it. The the everything about it. Now that's assuming it is going to have the 4 inch screen that the SE did. We don't know what it's going to end, end up having. Time will only tell. The reports are... Si- oh, wait, no, here we go. Reports are suggesting that the design is going to be similar to the iPhone 8 with a 4.7-inch screen along with Touch ID. The device is rumored to cost $400, which actually... That ain't bad. Compared to other Apple devices. Apple has completed its acquisition of Intel's smartphone modem business. This deal has been in the works since Jan... I'm sorry, since January. Since July. 
and the acquisition has finally completed. So Intel is now out of the business of making modems for smartphones, which is fine. Intel has not sold very many Intel modems. And now that division is part of Apple. So clearly, Apple is looking to get out of the various lawsuits it's had with Qualcomm. It is Qualcomm, right? It doesn't matter. And getting out of the various lawsuits they've had about patents and whatnot. Because there's been a lot of spats with with that. <laughs> Between Apple and, and Qualcomm. Qualcomm saying, you should pay this. And Apple's just like, no, we should pay that. And they've just been fighting forever and ever and ever. And I, I got so sick when I stopped reporting on it. Because it really did just feel like two children fighting in the playground. Even though, I mean, it was serious business. Because they were talking about, you know, millions upon millions of dollars in royalties being paid out. So Apple's just going to be using Intel modems from here on out. And in fact, it gives Intel, or I'm sorry, it gives Apple more control over their own production line. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I don't know yet. I'm not going to pretend to know because quite frankly, any sort of benefit Apple could get out of having their own smartphone modem manufacturer is completely dwarfed by the concept of getting rid of the lightning port. I'm sorry. It still annoys me. They had the easiest way to go. They could have just added USB Type-C to the iPhone, to the iPads, and just said, there we go, one port to rule them all. They could have supported. They could have been the bringers of USB Type-C as being the almighty port, just like they did back in the old day with USB in the first place. But they, uh, but if those reports are true, it's just gonna. <sighs> Why Apple? All right, let's stop talking about Apple before I absolutely lose every last bit of my sanity. Let's instead talk about how Rocket League has gone away with the questionable legal gambling of loot boxes and instead replaced it with just buying cosmetic items in a shop. Hey, that works, you know. Get get rid of loot boxes. Instead, offer those same cosmetic skins in a shop. Just, just buy them straight out rather than spending $50 on loot boxes. Then wonder if you're considered gambling or not. But then this caused people to complain because, of course, it did. Because some of these, excuse me, some of these cosmetic items can cost as much as $15. And probably one of the better things. 
is that all the pricing is done in such a way that you have to overspend in order to get what you want. For example, some cosmetic wheels inside the shop are 1400 credits or whatever heck the act, the article the article from Kotaku here calls them credits. I don't know if that's actually what it's called or not. Quite frankly, I really don't care. 1400 credits for wheels. The problem is that the least you can spend is a pack of 1600 credits for $15. This kind of practice was considered rather frowned upon for quite some time before the dawn of loot boxes. And then we all raged over that as we should loot boxes was awful. And I'm glad to see them dying off. So if you want anything, you are guaranteed to end up with a leftover balance in the in-game shop in order to get whatever you wanted. So, of course, people are unhappy about this. Personally, I can't complain about it too much. I really can't. Like, anything, anything that gets us off loot boxes is a step in the right direction in my book. Like, no matter how I look at it. So, for that, thanks? Question mark? Let's shift gears again, but still staying in the gaming space. Bethesda has killed one of their online gotcha games. The Elder Scrolls Legends which is their Hearthstone competitor, will no longer have anyone developing on it. The entire roadmap for updates is gone. So if you were a fan of the totally not Hearthstone genre, well, this is a big blow to it. And quite frankly, this is... Kind of making a lot of people wonder what's going on at Bethesda. Because think about it. What was the last good launch that Bethesda had? You've got to actually think about this. And the correct answer is Fallout 4, I think. That was the last launch where people just went, oh, it was okay. Because other than that, you have Fallout 76, which... (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm laughing at you for even thinking that went well. You have Elder Scrolls Legend, which had a weak launch and then died a slow, painful death. The Elder Scrolls Blades 
which I actually said I was going to try and play that and give it a fair shot. I never even did. No one did. Oh, Doom. Was new Doom out before or after Fallout 4? I, th- I think Unjust Banana in the chat with Doom might be right. But yeah. The Elder Scrolls Legend is now dead. And uh, yeah. Oh yeah, Wolfenstein Youngblood. That was a game that was, uh, that missed, uh, missed the mark. Honestly, Wolfenstein Youngblood, I actually ended up playing it for, uh, YouTube. It wasn't that bad, except towards the end when we were playing it, it launched a patch that absolutely butchered the gameplay on older NVIDIA cards. And the characters were so terrible, it made me want to mute the game and just riff on it the entire time. Seriously, those twins. I feel sorry for the voice actresses that had to voice those two. Those voice actresses were made to say some terrible, terrible lines. Just, ugh. Oh, yeah, and how could I forget, because I played it as co-op. It was clearly a two-player game that they shoehorned in a solo-player mode into it. Granted, you only had to buy one copy of the game to play co-op. That part I did like. That was the only thing I thought was really cool about the game. So let's just ask the question, Bethesda, what's going on? What happened? Is this just a series of bad mistakes? You've learned your lessons and you're getting rid of the executives that were in charge of these bad decisions? Or are you just going to continue down this road of... Just flipping everyone off. Because I'll tell you what, these are not popular moves and you need, underline need to learn a lesson very, very quickly. Though sticking in the gaming space before we sh- before we uh, take our first break, Mario Maker 2 announced a very unique free update to their game. Which includes some interesting, useful tools, but most importantly, introduced the ability to not only play as Link from Legend of Zelda, but also have the toolkit of Link. Mario Maker 1 introduced the ability for people to just include costumes within the game, but the game still played the same. But in 2, not only can you play as Link, you get the bow, you get the boomerang, you get the bomb, you get the sword. 
you get everything, which introduces a lot of interesting twists that you can do in making levels. And the update is now out for free. Hey, other video game developers, take notes. This is how it's done. Could I stress that any more than that? We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, TikTok receiving the same treatment as YouTube and T-Mobile releases the first nationwide 5G network. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Despite AT&T trying to say, we get 5G first. Yeah, no, they didn't. I'm sorry. They didn't. You know it's a lie. I know it's a lie. Literally everyone on the planet knows it's a lie. AT&T did not hit 5G first. T-Mobile, in fact, did giving America its first nationwide offering of 5G. And they accomplished this by doing something that no one else did. By doing this crazy thing called, let's do a lower spectrum network. Because the thing is that the low band of 5G does not have the same problems as the higher bands, or what are called, what what is that, Mil- microwave, milliwave, not, micro- not microwave, milliwave, I think, it doesn't matter. The higher band ones that AT&T and Verizon are trying to push out got stupid, crazy high speeds, but it could not... My phone freaked out for a second. I'm not sure why. Anyway, it could not penetrate buildings. You didn't have the kind of distance. Like the 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 Miller waves could not cover more than one or two city blocks. Whereas T-Mobile's 5G network is a low band 600 megahertz signal. This can cover long distances. This can actually go through buildings. You can actually now get a signal inside your own home. The downside, however, is the speeds. T-Mobile's 5G network can only reach up to 450 megabits per second. Right now, it can't reach that. A lot of people are saying they can only get about 100 megabits per second on the 5G network. 
which is, you know, still better than LTE. That 450 is estimated to get, to be reached by 2024, according to T-Mobile. So I would expect 450 megabits per second in the year 2525, assuming man is still alive. So even though 5G is technically here, if you're on T-Mobile, it's still not going to be the huge jump that we saw, say, going from Edge to 3G or 3G to 4G. It is, however, a better step than AT&T's quote-unquote 5G, their 5GE, which was, well, just some pretty swell 4G. That being said, though, this is a much better solution than the, oh, there it is, the millimeter wave setup that everyone else is working on. Sprint is also doing millimeter wave, and when and if T-Mobile does acquire Sprint successfully, they will also gain that spectrum and network as well. There are other benefits as well. Um, Unjust Banana in the chat says that the response times were supposed to be improved. I heard that as well. I unfortunately don't have those numbers in front of me. The only thing I know is that technically T-Mobile offers the first nationwide 5G network, even though when you look at the map, um, it's not really good. (laughs) I have the map on the uh, live stream right now on Twitch. Of course, those of you listening on the podcast can't see it. But basically, they throw up a map, and, like, the entire map, except for, like, the Rocky Mountains and the West Coast, is completely covered in their colors. The problem is that the darker pink is their 5G coverage, and the lighter shade of pink is their 4G coverage. I suppose, technically, T-Mobile does have... From east to west coast, the nation covered with 5G, but there are huge gaps, like most of Florida, large chunks of the Midwest, massive chunks of the Rocky Mountains, a relatively decent sized gaps on the west coast. Actually, it even looks like uh, they don't have 5G coverage in San Francisco, all of Kansas. <laughs> there's there's some really large gaps in this supposed 5G coverage. I also want to point out that Alaska is not featured anywhere on this map. Puerto Rico, though, you are completely covered. So, 
kudos for that, I guess. Although looking at this map, my area is covered, so therefore this is automatically the best feature ever. Automatically. Real talk though. It's a good it's a good first step T-Mobile, but um I recommend stepping up your game. I'm just saying. Let's talk about TikTok because I don't talk about them a whole lot. TikTok's kind of a weird uh, Uh, what, what what would you call TikTok? A lot of people call TikTok a social media platform, but they're basically annoying vines. I'd say is the best way to describe it, but I digress. TikTok has caught some flack kind of out of nowhere by disabling user videos from showing up in feeds if those users... were considered to be suspended. So if a user had received was under watch, their videos that they post up will not show up. Basically, TikTok is catching flack for shadow banning people. Specifically, it is shadow banning people who are talking about any kind of disability. The reason being is that they do not want content out there that features any kind of disabilities to protect those with said disabilities by discriminating against people with disabilities. Abilities. Wait a second. Y- y- you know what, TikTok? You-, you go do whatever it is you think you're helping. You, you-, you go do that by fighting against discrimination by discriminating. And while you're at it, TikTok... Um, Enjoy paying that uh, that FTC fine. Because much like how YouTube had to pay out a large sum of money for collecting data on kids, TikTok has also been caught collecting data on kids. Whoops. Kind of funny. It was just like all of a sudden the FTC remembered just like, oh, wait. All these companies are collecting data on literally everyone in like carpet blanket form. And some of those people might be kids. We should look into that. Look at that. They are kids. Wait, that's illegal. It's kind of funny how the phrase wait, that's illegal really does apply to COPPA. COPPA, as we talked about last week, 
is a law that's been on the books for almost 20 years, but is only kind of reaching the surface now as it's finally being enforced. Whoops. So it'll be fun to see how TikTok responds to this. Because remember, unlike YouTube, which is an American company, TikTok is not. This could get interesting. Especially with the current Chinese-American relationship right now and trying to coexist in a financial way. All right, shifting gears kind of radically, let's talk about uh, Google shifting its leadership. CEO Larry Page has stepped down. And Sundar Pichai, who I have most likely mispronounced, is now the new CEO of Alphabet. I should actually rephrase that. Larry Page, who is the CEO of Alphabet and also, um, I want to say Sergey. Yeah, Sergey Brin, who is the president of Alphabet, Alphabet being the parent company of Google, have both stepped down. And Sundar Pichai, who again I have mispronounced, is going to be the CEO of Alphabet and Google as the company begins to restructure its own leadership. Now, while I'd like to speculate that the leadership is shifting, maybe they realize that how the heck they did the launch of Stadia is not great. Oh man, maybe they're realizing everything's going wrong with with the YouTubes and all that. Um, all right, but before we start coming up with theories like that, let's step back for a minute. This actually has been a long time coming. Larry and Sergey have both been kind of taking a step back sort of role in Alphabet for quite some time. More than likely, this leave has been planned for years. And slowly within Google, they've been shifting themselves towards this restructuring of leadership and looking for a peaceful exit of Larry and Sergey. So although this is big news within the tech world, I mean, the leadership of literally one of the biggest companies in the world suddenly shifting over, it really does look like it was something that's been thought about for a long, long time. Does this mean that anything under the alphabet umbrella is going to change? Probably not. Stadia will continue to flounder more than likely until it dies. I'm sorry, I still see Stadia just dying by the end of the year. 
not this year, but next year. YouTube is still going to do what YouTube does. Speaking of which, YouTube's uh, Rewind recently came out. Wow, did YouTube's Rewind suffer some serious budget cuts. I'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, everything under the outfit umbrella, I think, is going to stay relatively the same. But who knows? It is going to be something we're going to be keeping a close eye on and keep the thought that they just went over this restructuring quite a bit. All right, so the YouTube Rewind. Last year, for the 2018 YouTube Rewind, YouTube got a ton of flack as it was mostly focused on... Hollywood celebrities rather than YouTube celebrities. Like that was without a doubt the focus. And pretty much everyone responded, thanks, I hate it. Because it didn't feel like a YouTube. Because you, the whole concept of YouTube was the fact that the people who make up YouTube are just normal people. They are not professionals in the media industry. They're people like myself, some nerds sitting in a chair just making content and just doing their best to get out there. Amateurs, basically, who are doing this as hobbies or trying to make a go of it. Not Will Smith, who makes movies for a living, or professional actors, or professional talk show hosts. Or anything of that nature. That was the biggest problem with the 2018 Rewind. Unless there's something else I'm missing. But for 2019, you know what they did? You know what they did? I kid you not, they opened up by saying... Last year, our Rewind was the most disliked video in all of YouTube. And it was, by the way. Yes, the 2018 Rewind was even more downvoted than Friday. Oof. So what did they do? They just said, so we decided to just look at what you guys made. And I kid you not, they put out a top 10 video of videos that had the most views, the most likes, the most popular dance videos, the most popular beauty videos, the most popular gaming categories and just went down the list and admittedly a very well edited top 10 format but no matter how you look at it it was obvious that there was some budget cuts there's no other way to look at it 
What are my thoughts? Remember how I said earlier that uh, YouTube had to pay out a large fine to the FTC for violating COPPA? Well, it's kind of blatantly obvious which budget within YouTube that money came out of. It certainly didn't come out of some war chest. The YouTube Rewind Fund clearly went to go pay pay that off. Now, I could be wrong. But that's the most obvious line I can draw. It's either that or YouTube literally gave so few cares. They just told Jake from the editing department to just say, throw this together, whatever. Let the freaking YouTube trolls just say, here, here you go, you won. <laughs> As some sort of flip off to everyone who downvoted the 2018 Rewind. It's one of the two. Or it could be both. Who knows? But there you go. That's that's what you get for, for your rewind. And then YouTube creators then get to wonder for 2020. Do I need to swear less or more? Because if I swear more, I get demonetized. If I get swore if I swear less, then my content might end up being classified as kid-friendly, and then I could get fined by the FTC because Google harvested data from kids watching my videos. Wait a minute. Hmm. Awkward, isn't it? You know what else is awkward? Google look at their Google Photos service and deciding, you know what? That should be a chat service. What? Yes, that is what Google thinks is a good idea. Turning Google Photos into a kind of chat feature. I... What? Like, the only thing I can think of is that they're trying to be, like, not Snapchat. What's the other one? Imgur? No, not Imgur. I am losing my mind as to what all of these various media platforms are called. Instagram! There's officially too many social networks. Even I'm starting to confuse them all. Okay, Google, you just go do whatever you need to. I accidentally tripped my phone. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Unjust had to correct me. It's Instagram 
by Facebook. Speaking of Facebook, uh, Facebook decided, you know what? We're going to allow you to move your own photos to other services. Yep, yep, we're we're gonna we're just gonna let you uh we're gonna we're gonna let you move your own photos. Thanks. Thanks Facebook. How gener- how benevolent of you. Oh, thank you, my great Facebook overlords. For allowing users, only in Ireland, to move our photos that we took and we own to wherever we'd like. Oh, thank you, Facebook, for allowing all of us in Ireland to move our own stuff as we choose. Oh, wait, I'm not in Ireland. What the heck, Facebook? (sighs) You know, people wonder why I go to the extreme lengths to have... A server rack. Why I go through the extra effort. To have spare hard drives. And all, all that other jazz. And why, why I go through to have all this. When I can just have it in the cloud. This is why. This right here. And you should too. Maybe not to the extreme lengths that I do. But you absolutely, just like Rabbit Amoeba said in the chat, you absolutely should have all your photos and your own digital media in more places than just on Facebook or anywhere. Or, you know, just move to Ireland, I guess. I I guess that's an option too. We're going to take another break here. When we come back, we still have a lot to talk about, including the next generation console dev kits being spotted in the wild and a segment that I can only call AI taking over. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. I actually do have one quick note to say about the previous story. The feature to allow for Facebook to allow you to transfer your own photos to wherever you'd like is getting a worldwide release sometime in 2020. I did neglect to say that. Now with that, let's talk about the uh, super awkward-looking PlayStation 5 dev kits that are going around that are so awkward-looking that everyone can't help themselves but talk about it. 
Like, maybe it's just because I haven't, like, been in this podcasting biz long enough for people to talk about dev kits, but holy cow, I have not seen prototype game consoles get the kind of attention that the PlayStation 5 has. And admittedly, it is a shocking design. It looks like something you'd see... From a wannabe game con- from a wannabe gaming PC in 2003. But I can see why some of the design choices are made as they are. The vents on the top. So if you don't know, I want you to imagine for an for a moment a knockoff game console. That then had a chunk, had a V chunk missing out of inside it. And the entire inside, that inside chunk missing being turned into a V. And then I think there's actually a small LCD display on the front of it, but I think that's just displaying diagnostic information for the developers. But in any case, Excuse me. That is what the PS5 dev kits look like. And everyone is afraid. Everyone is afraid. (gasps) This is what the PS5 is going to look like. I'll tell you this right now. This is not going to be what the PS5 is going to look like. It's not. I will be stunned if it looks like this. Because all the research I did shows that every other dev kit for previous consoles looked nothing like the finished product. I will say this. I will not be surprised in the least if the PlayStation 5 has some chunk missing out of it, specifically to have new exhaust vents. Because if there's one thing I know is that the newest GPUs and the next-gen GPUs do not run cooler. See, this is where I have an advantage over the previous generations of consoles. Because before, no one knew just how much heat a power PC processor would put out or how much some custom chip's going to put out. We know what the guts are. We know it is a Ryzen CPU and a Navi GPU. We know the newest Navi, or we, we, excuse me, we know the newest Ryzen CPUs don't run cool. They run pretty hot. And we know the Navi GPUs run even hotter. And this is one chip doing the job of both, most likely. Maybe this design will have them separate. It would not surprise me in the least if they did. But the point is, 
we're seeing one blower fan being insignificant for a mid-range Navi GPU. So what chance does one single blower fan have to cool that in a in a game console? There's going to be multiple fans. There are going to be bigger heat sinks. Does that mean this console is going to be loud? No. More fans does not mean it's going to be louder. If anything, it's going to be quieter. Because that means all the fans will do less work. I mean, heck. There's a machine only, what? Three feet away from the mic? That's running one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, like 11, 12 fans in it. 14 fans in it. Do you hear them? And before you say, well, they're not working very hard. Well, they aren't right now, but still. I never hear this machine. That's the point. There's going to be more vents. I can almost guarantee that. But I doubt the PS5 is going to sound like a jet engine. That being said, though. Project Scarlet is being spotted online. Project Scarlet being the next gen Xbox. And it is, in fact, playing current titles alongside Xbox One players as well. So a lot of people are going, there's going to be reverse compatibility. The next-gen Xbox is going to be able to play all the past games. This is going to be a huge advantage the X, the the Project Scarlet has over the next over the X over the PlayStation Five. Oh wowie zowies! Oh, this is going to be amazing. And in fact, people are saying it. Project Scarlet's going to have an advantage because of its backwards compatibility. What are you, fanboys? Why would doing the exact same thing as the PlayStation 5 give it, give it an advantage? Stop being fanboys and think for a nanosecond. Both of these consoles are going to be x86 based. Both of them are using CPUs and GPUs from the same manufacturer as the current-gen consoles. Of course they're both going to be backwards compatible! It doesn't take a genius to figure this out. Yes. 
Project Scarlet's going to be backwards compatible with the Xbox One. And yes, the PlayStation 5 is going to be compatible with the PlayStation 4. I believe there actually are reports out there. At least I'm told there's reports out there for the PlayStation 5 being being backwards compatible with PlayStation 4. That that's been confirmed. If it hasn't been confirmed, I'm willing to put money down that the PlayStation 5 is going to be backwards compatible to the to the PlayStation 4. And if it isn't, then Sony has a lot of questions to answer. Because there is no excuse for that. That being said, I mean, honestly, the real talk here, and and I feel, I'm sorry to any of the Xbox fanboys who are listening right now who are about to get really angry at me. But the Xbox One still to me has zero value. Because in the end, it is just a cheap couch gaming PC without the benefits of being a gaming PC. There is no longer any exclusives that are exclusive to the Xbox. And more and more, anything you could get on the Xbox is already available on the PC. And if there's anything I've proven time and time and time again, you can build a gaming PC for close to the same price as... an Xbox. And by build, I do include, like I did, grabbing an off-lease workstation for 100 bucks and using an additional 150 to put a decent graphic card in there. It is a viable option and I still use it as my gaming PC. In news I didn't think was news, but it turns out actually is news, because it is new, the Nintendo Switch is going to launch in China on December 10th. And for some reason, it's also noteworthy it's being priced for the exact same amount as it is in most of the world. Now, I'm willing to bet most people, when I just said this headline, kind of looked awkwardly at wherever they're hearing my voice from and then said, you mean it's not in China already? That's kind of my thought, too. I mean, I know things are, I I know things are a little wonky in China, but I thought the Switch already launched in China. Like, I would have thought that would have been one of the first places, seeing as how it's, you know, just next door. But apparently not. And apparently that's news. So, um, 
Yeah, to all currently zero of the listeners I have in China, now you know. December 10th, you can get it for 2,099 won, which is $298. Oh, China has a history of not not permitting console imports. You know, now that you say that, that does ring a bell. Well, here you go, China. Now you too can have a real console. Kind of like how Huawei woke up one morning and they wanted to make a real motherboard. I kid you not. Huawei is now making desktop PC motherboards. And this is a motherboard and a half. So, Huawei is making a motherboard, and on this board we see a soldered-on ARM processor, specifically Huawei's own Kunpeng ARM V8 processor that they supposedly use for their server infrastructure, and it can either use 4 or 8 core 7 nanometer cores on it. But apparently can scale up to 64 cores. Apparently. Has support for PCI Express 4. Does have full-size DIMMs. Four slots for, for more RAM. And from what I can tell in the picture, it has some very unique I.O. I'm trying to get a good picture of it. Oh, they do have a dual socket variation of this. Because of course they do. But the main motherboard they have, which is an MATX slot, has one serial port, or maybe that's VGA. I'm not entirely certain. Looks like two USB 2.0 ports. A, I forgot the name of this particular network connection. I want to say a Mellanox? No, a Mellanox is a, is a is a brand. It has a network connection that is only used in data centers. An Ethernet port and stereo only. Analog audio out. Oh, and the best part is the picture they show has a slot for the CMOS battery with no CMOS battery installed. But there are two PCI Express slots for all your GPUing. And we do have two M.2 slots and six SATA ports. There is a 24-pin connector for the motherboard, but there is no auxiliary 4-pin or 8-pin for the CPU because this CPU is an ARM power-sipping nothing.
the IO choice on this is bizarre. Because even though you could, like, someone in the chat's just like, oh, he uses surround sound on their PCs anymore. The thing is, is that the option's always there. Usually it's a sign of the quality of sound chip you're willing to put on there. Heck, even my workstation, of which no one uses the sound card on the motherboard, has surround sound support. But it has the high-end 40 gigabit networking port on there. Oh, I'm sorry. That particular port is limited to 25 gigabit gigabit instead of 40. I just yeah, oh, Okay, you you do you, Huawei. I'm just not, not going to buy this board for multiple reasons. Like, first off, as people in the chat pointed out, who knows what that BIOS is going to do to you? Yeah, I don't trust that BIOS either. In addition, I don't want... (laughs) I I don't want... I don't want to run anything with that chip. What are you going to possibly do? With, say, an RTX Titan and an ARM CPU. I just don't understand. <sighs> Qualcomm has developed an underscreen fingerprint reader that is now big enough to support. Two fingerprints at a time. Whoa! So now you can scan two finger fingerprints at the same time. But let's let's be real here for a second. You know what the goal is of this bigger underscreen fingerprint scanner? Anyone who's used one of these knows it is a pain underline pain to be able to use the underscreen fingerprint fingerprint scanner and have it read properly or maybe it's just me because samsung had to use their ultrasonic one but all the ones i've i've done you've got to make sure you hit it dead on right because if you don't you are never gonna get it right and more than likely you're gonna just have to put in the pin anyway So there you go. Now, it's still said that those fingerprints are stored locally, but of course, you know, how much do you trust them? Actually, I trust Qualcomm. I trust Qualcomm a lot more than I do other tech companies like Huawei. The Samsung S11 is rumored to be to support the latest Snapdragon Qualcomm chip and record 8K video. 
You know what would be even better? If I could record 8K video and have this have an SD card slot on my phone to store that massive 8K footage or ooh the ability to use hardline headphones so I could listen to my 8K footage in real time with it rather than at a fractional second delay like you have with every single Bluetooth headphone in existence. Huh. Wow, getting rid of those ports suddenly seems like a bad idea, huh? Whoops. Now let's get into some of the weird stories. The brother of the famous drug lord Pablo Escobar has launched what what could very well be a bootleg foldable smartphone for $350. The Escobar Fold 1 will be available for $350 and it looks like an exact ripoff clone of the FlexPie. The FlexPi was a phone made by a company that I literally can't remember the name of. But it was not very durable and not all that great. And that was originally available for $1,200. But hey, you can get this one for $350 and maybe there's nothing sketch about it. Uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's who I trust. The, the brother of a drug lord. Yeah, let's, uh, let's just ignore that forever. Let's instead talk about how artificial intelligence is getting one step closer to taking over all of humanity. MIT has created an AI that understands the laws of physics. They're learning. What more can you say? I mean, really. We're now getting to the point where artificial intelligence can understand. It can learn. It's growing. Oh, no. Skynet is becoming. And you know what's even better? Facebook has one-upped. MIT, by teaching AI, quote, the theory of mind, which will help Facebook chatbots to uh, understand human emotions and be able to communicate better with, uh, with the people talking to them. Is anyone else feeling a bit uncomfortable? You you know, as an added bonus, uh, Amazon, not to be one-upped, has topped them both 
by creating an AI that will generate medical records based on patient-doctor conversations that more than likely is picking up those conversations through your Amazon Echo devices. Huh. Well, um, that's great. And in fact, the, the the main point of this is the fact that the AI is understanding medical jargon. However, as per usual, there is still the last burb story. And yes, the last burb story is in fact an AI story that tops all of these. Welcome to the last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the day. An AI-powered text RPG will now let you do literally anything. I kid you not, it will let you do anything. It is created by developer Nick Walton. And all you do is put in any verb. And the game will understand it and will use AI to then tell you exactly how your text-based RPG progresses from here. My friends, the legend of Zork reaches its next phase of evolution. That is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening. Please do check out my main pod, or I'm sorry, my daily podcast. The Early Bird Briefing, which you can find wherever you found this podcast. And also, check out my Twitch page at twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon, where we do stream every Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Take care, rest well, and hopefully we'll see you next time. Bye-bye! So here's the next question. When is this AI going to learn how to play Minecraft? I'm just saying.
you type in a verb, it quickly d- does some Minecrafting, crafts the world based on what, what you've just done. We can see this kind of AI bring usher in a brand new generation of role-playing never before thought possible outside of annoying a dungeon master in D&D.